All right. All right. Uh, welcome to the Mesh Point Podcast. Uh, Tony and I are extremely, extremely excited tonight to have Coach Brent Davis, uh, obviously the OC at Army. Coach, how you doing, man? Doing great. Appreciate you guys having me on. Nah, Coach, we, we, we can't thank you enough for coming on, man. This is awesome. Um, this is awesome. Hey, well, we always ask, talk about your coaching journey, man. I, you know, um, <laughs> where, where you played uh, high school ball and all the way through up to, to now at Army. Well, I, uh, it's it's not a very distinguished football career because <laughs> of playing right. days by any means. But uh, I played uh, high school ball in Duluth, Georgia, and uh, played for a guy named Cecil Morris. Um, was a legendary coach in Georgia. Um, you know, Coach George Rogers, um, who who also played at Duluth High School. Um, he he, uh, he he was a good player at Duluth High School, and he. From, Big story about him was he was a guard when he got to Duluth High School. He'd been playing guard at, a, at Atlanta City School. And they oh, wow. For one play and said he'll never do anything but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Story for you. But, um, so I, I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to go to the Citadel, actually out of um, high school and, and played tight end there. And um, I had torn my knee up my senior year of, uh, of high school, uh, ACL, and um, – you know, but I, I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship there and went there. And, and uh, I actually, it's the first time I was exposed to the option and played for Coach Charlie Taft, mm-hmm. an outstanding coach. And Al Seagraves recruited me, and um, Al Seagraves was the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, and both those guys uh, had been at West Point previously. Um, so it's kind of funny how football runs in circles sometimes. But, um, and Charlie Taft was the offensive coordinator here. And, um, uh, I was a terrible cadet, uh, hopefully a little better football player than I was a cadet. But um, we, we, I was around uh, two really good teams. Um, the first year we won the Southern Conference Championship. Had a quarterback named Jack Douglas, who was an unbelievable operator. And Everett Sands was the fullback and five really good offensive linemen. And so I was, it, it was awesome. We upset Arkansas, um, won the SOCON, and then lost to uh, Youngstown State in the playoffs. And I know that's a lot of backstory, but – um, so just just incredible start to football career, and then played there again the next year in '93. And um, I'd grown up in Athens, Georgia, and um, always wanted to play at University of Georgia, and made the decision to, to transfer from the Citadel. Um, but that background was so good for me. First of all, the military background, and um, never knew I was going to get into coaching at that point, or that I would ever coach in the military academy. But um, just the background there, the discipline there and, and helped me in my life and uh, made some lifelong friends as well. And I was around some great coaches. So that was um, really part of that, having that success there um, and winning like we did. And, and uh, that was part of the reason why I became interested in coaching, but uh, walked on at Georgia and, uh, and you know, playing tight end and, and uh, making my way onto the field some and, um, you know, that was a great experience as well. I was around some great coaches there. Um, uh, Wayne McDuffie was our offensive line coach there. Um, and uh, he was an outstanding coach, fun, hard-ass, but fundamental guy. Just, just really um, – so I was around some really good football coaches. Greg Davis was there, um, who was an outstanding coach. He ended up at Texas a little bit later. But um, got to the end of my senior year, and I said, man, I wish I could keep playing football. Um, and you know, I was going to go to law school at Georgia and uh, I finally decided I thought I wanted to be an agent and, uh, 
finally decided, you know, nobody likes those guys anyway. Uh, you you got to be a lawyer, you know, and, and uh, so nobody likes lawyers. And um, I want to be around the game, be around sports. And so I, um, you know, Chris Selfo, who was offensive line coach at that time for Jim Don, and said, you ever thought about coaching? And um, I said, yeah, I have actually, you know, and um, he said, well, I know Paul Johnson's looking for somebody down at, at um, Georgia Southern. He just got in the job. He said, I'll be happy to call him. Well, the next day, Paul Johnson called me and asked me if I want to come down and interview. And uh, so I did and went down there and he hired me that day. And uh, I moved down two days later and uh, stayed there for nine years. And, uh, you know, so I, that was unbelievable to get started like that um, at a place like Georgia Southern with the history that it has. And, and I was just a GA, made $6,000 a year. And uh, I can remember uh, taking my salary instead of over 12 months, taking it over 10 so I can make $600 a month and then job in the summer uh, where I could uh, supplement my income in the summer. And then we, we had camp and, and all that. And I can remember after maybe my third year, second, I, after my second year, Paul Johnson gave me a raise to like $11,000. And I thought, man, you're, you, you've really done it now. <laughs> you know, my parents are still paying for my insurance and all that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, just an incredible start in coaching. Um, first of all, um, in the first five years, uh, Coach Johnson, I mean, he was 62 and 10, yeah. I want to say. And um, he, he let me do so much and he let me make make mistakes and, and coach. And um, he let me coach the B-back start my first year. And I didn't know anything about football. You think you do when you're a player, but you don't. And um I, I coached B-backs, and uh, first assignment, I got to coach a guy named Adrian Peterson. Well, wow. we had a guy named Rod Russell, I guess, and Adrian Redshirt, and then Adrian Peterson. I thought, man, you're a pretty good coach. <laughs> Don't figure out. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> that didn't have much to do with it, you know. <laughs> but be, being uh, having my own meetings and really helped me, and then I was exposed to the quarterbacks a lot, and Ivan Jasper was a quarterback coach mm-hmm. now, and I got a lot of respect for him and, and a great, great human being. And uh, so I was around him. And so I learned a lot about quarterbacks as well. Um, and just the overall picture that maybe you wouldn't get. And uh, after my third year, I went and asked uh, Coach Johnson if, if I could move uh, to the offensive line. Um, and I think that was one of the best things I ever did, just career-wise, so I could get another perspective. And, and so I, I got a chance to work under Mike Seawalk. And uh, which was a, he's an incredible technical coach, great guy. You guys have probably clinic with him before. And yeah, yeah. We just that. we had him on not long. Oh, ago. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Awesome. yeah awesome. It, was, it was great. He's a hoot, isn't he? Talk oh, to boy. Him. You ever talk to him on the phone? You won't understand a word he says. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we did. It was just a weeks ago, actually. But uh, he, he's awesome, and I learned so much from him. He let me do a lot, you know, make adjustments and and just. Uh, Hey, go take the tackles over there and screw them up in this drill. And then, you know, he'd always tell people I was in charge of all the screw ups. So, <laughs> but then he gave my first full time job. So I was a, uh, for young coaches out there, I mean, I, I was basically a GA for five years and um, I was, I was 27 uh, years old, I guess, when I got first full time job. And uh, which was, you know, and I guess now that's, that's probably not too far off, but, um, you know, I didn't really money at all until until that point um yeah. i was fortunate enough to get coaching experience and go on the road recruiting and do all those things so that was awesome and 
So starting when Mike Sewell got the job after Coach Johnson went in the Navy, I was lucky enough to get the offensive line job. And uh, so, you know, starting off, uh, if you ever coach the uh, position that the head coach uh, has majored in his whole career, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you better be on your uh, yeah. stuff. And so it was good for me. I learned so much from him. And he went 35 and 14, we did, um, which I think is pretty good. I, I don't know. I, most oh, yeah. is and and they decided that uh, they should make a change there in the program. And, you know, and so we, we, we got fired. Uh, and so then at, uh, I guess I was 32 and just gotten engaged. And um, so I had to kind of go out on my own for the first time. And you know, I, didn't, I didn't have a job, didn't get a job until March. And fortunate enough to go to VMI as offensive coordinator. And uh, I can remember I got there halfway through the, the um, spring practice and they'd already been running. I uh, just running base. I plays just to evaluate personnel. So seven practices in and we installed the, the offense at, uh, at VMI. And, uh, and it was then I realized when you become a coordinator first time and you really don't know what you're doing. And, <laughs> and, and, but we, I was there for four years, great experience and fortunate enough to come back to Georgia Southern when coach Munkin got the job in 2010 and, we were there four years, and, and um, I was offense coordinator and offense line, and then ended up coming to, uh, to to West Point for the last seven. And uh, it goes fast. Uh, yeah. Which has been amazing. So, I know I rambled on a little bit. Just That's the it's kind of how my past gone. So, I guess it's, 20, it's my 24th year coming up. Um, that sounds about right. Started in 97. It was the first year at, at uh, um, Georgia Southern. So, uh, you know, you – you think about that in, in the first nine years, I was like, we were like 97 and 24 yeah. to VMI. We went one and 10 that first year. And I was like, Ooh, you know, you take it for granted and, uh, you, gotta, you know, figure out, uh, we, VMI was really good because we had to do some things that different. We couldn't yeah. do exactly what we did at Georgia Southern sometimes. And so I had to, had to figure it out. Cause that was really good for me. No, I mean, that's, I think it'll be good for the listeners to understand how, how you came through it, right? To the point, yeah. Sometimes I think we all we, we see the end result, which is you at Army doing well, right? And we don't understand the work that went into it because sure. we weren't there with you. So it's important to know that. And that's or the lumps uh, you take. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know if winning, you know, four, four or five national championships at Southern was taking too many lumps, but at least financially no, no, you took some lumps, right? <laughs> no, yeah, we took a lot of lumps financially. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> if it was, my parents took a lot more lumps. Yeah, 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 right. for, <laughs> if it wasn't for yeah. them, I would have never been yeah. able to do it. And yeah, you know, I. I had awesome experience at Georgia Southern. Met my wife there, and so that was a uh, was a great great experience. Well, you know, we 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 heard you talk about that that first time, right? The first time you had to go out on your own um, mm -hmm. and find a job, and and so I think that it's kind of segues really good into our next question about you know a guy or guys, coaches, um, or parents, right? That that you've leaned on as a, as a mentor over the years, uh, sure. you know, when you got to make a hard decision, who, you know, who do you, who are you leaning on? I tell you, um, I mentioned a couple of them, you know, first of all, just the coach Johnson, give me the opportunity and then letting me, uh, coach. And I think you maybe saw that I maybe had some potential. And so he, he let me do a lot, you know, at a young, young age. Um, you know, I was in Atlanta recruiting at, at 24 years old. There's not opportunities to do that now. 
Um, and so that really helped me make really formal relationships that I still have today. So we're able to go down from, from West Point and um, still recruit in Georgia. I've been very fortunate with that. And then Coach Seawalk, again, he taught me so much about O-line play. And um, he's just such a great fundamental coach. And also just how to build a culture in that room. You know, he always had a great group of guys that were committed to each other. And, and he really impressed upon me with that. Um, uh, so those, I would start off there. Um, and then a lot of the guys I've worked with as well, you know, Mitch Ware, uh, who you got to have on, he's retired. He's played 154 rounds of golf since he retired and left us <laughs> there and told me that the other day because I stopped through Statesboro to see him and 154 rounds and, and 11 under par, Seawalk, if you're listening. Wow. <laughs> to do. Mitch said 11 rounds under par last year. But, um, you know, but he was a guy – that um, I got a chance to work under. He was offense coordinator, and I was offensive line coach with Coach Seawalk, and he'd come from Missouri State, and um, I guess it was Southwest Missouri at that time. But um, Mitch coached the o, or the, the quarterbacks like I coached the O-line, uh, you know, I, just as far as it was detailed and demanding on them. And, but, um, and, and so when I went to VMI, I got the opportunity to coach the quarterbacks and coordinate uh, I did it just like he did it and the terminology and everything that I learned. Um, he was just a phenomenal coach. And also at the same time taught those guys a lot of life lessons. And um, so he really made a big impact and probably one of the things that made, I get choked up talking about it, but because of the way he supported me, but one of these that made the biggest impact on, on me was the way that he treated me when, we came back to Georgia Southern in 2010 and I was offensive coordinator and he was working with me yeah. uh, as a quarterback coach. And um, yeah. so just the support and, and the way that, that he um, helped me, uh, you know, as the coordinator was awesome and uh, never um, any kind of ill will or freaking, you know, that's just, just yeah. a terrible team guy. So, um, and then coach Munkin, um, he's the ultimate um, servant-minded leader, um, the way that he runs our program. And, and he's the guy, he's on the field picking up tape and trash in the facility and the last one to leave the field and um, knows everybody's name and, and no person's too small for him. I uh, learned a lot in terms of leadership from him. Uh, and, and so those are some guys along the way. Um, and then, and there's some high school coaches that I call. There's a coach named Ed, Ed Dudley in Georgia that I, I really respect a lot and just gotten to know over the years since I was walked into school in probably 99 as a green, you know, recruiter and, and just form relationships. And that doesn't happen in every, prof every profession. So, um, you know, those things I don't, I don't take for granted at all, yeah. fortunately. Yeah. Well, Coach, let's get into the history of the Flexbone a little bit, though. I think it's important for the listeners to understand the background of the flex bone and the history of it. Mm -hmm. uh, you got, you already mentioned uh, Coach Johnson and Coach Seawalk a little bit. And um, kind of if you would, uh, you've been involved with that offense for a long time, dating back to those guys. Uh, talk about what it was like then and kind of how it's evolved to what you guys are doing now with Coach Monken and, uh, at, mm -hmm. uh, at Army. Um, well, I think that people knew a lot less about it then than they do now. Um and especially from a defensive standpoint, um, I think that it wasn't as as prominent, you know, as it, you know, since that time, Georgia Tech has, has, has you know, been a, a 
really good and and uh and then what he's able to do at navy and um so i think people know a little bit more about it now um in those days um we we, we would run triple just inside beer uh, 30 times a game uh, I, I would say and then probably well we had adrian peterson might run 20 zone dives yeah. and about five counter options three play actions and five traps and call it a day, you know, and, and, um, as it's evolved, um, coach Johnson was always great at just, um, trying to stay one step ahead and he had answers in every facet of the offense. Um, and that was the way I learned it is that, um, you know, he could basically call a game by telling you, if you told him who made the tackle, he could probably call the next play, you know, and gave him a down since he could call the next play. And, he used to tell us he could see all 22 on the field. I, I don't know that anybody can do that, but I think he's just a really, really, really good chess player. And, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, moving guys around, but we were just so good at executing that base play that, um, and the, and the complimentary plays off of it and the play actions. And we were really, really fast, you know, and so you combine all that and you got Greg Hill when you, when you do make a mistake, and Greg Hill's the guy carrying the ball in the keep, then that's that's a problem, you know. And and so we had we had Greg Hill, and and he can hand it to Adrian Peterson, or he can keep it. Um, and then you're pitching it to a guy, Benny Cunningham. Or we we had some really fast slot backs too. So I learned it. We had we had the best players uh, most of the time in the conference, um, honestly. Um, but then we executed really well. But. Um, it wasn't just the offense, the way he also learned the way he did things and the demand, how demanding he was, um, the players and the discipline that our guys had and the way we practiced, and how physical we were and how tough we were, the way we attacked uh, the offseason, um, all those things. People thought, oh, it's just a gimmick offense, but there's a lot of things that went into being so successful over the years that people don't maybe don't give as much credence to and they, and they probably should. Those that know that were part of it know there's he could win with a lot of offenses. That just happens to be the one that he was an expert at. But, um, you know, when we went to VMI, um, we didn't have a triple option quarterback. I'm speaking from my perspective with triple, how, how it's kind of evolved for us. But um, And so we had to kind of – do some things that maybe took pressure off of that position a little bit until we could develop a guy. And so we, we got into um, some zone option stuff and we got into some stuff out of the gun and um, some of the shotgun stuff. We, you know, we went down and, and Bob Bodine, uh, you guys may, may know, but he, he's, a, he's the offense coordinator at Mercer um, now, but he, he and I um, went down to Wofford a lot met with Wade Lang and, and those guys. And they, they, I thought, always did a good job of mixing in the two. Um, and so we took some principles from them. That I, it, The shotgun takes pressure off your quarterback. The reads are easier. Um, and honestly, nowadays, more kids are doing that in high school. That's kind of what they grow up on. So um, it's easier if you get a guy that can't, you know, necessarily do it under center or needs work at it. You can probably play him quicker in the, in the shotgun if he's a great athlete. So – that took pressure off the guys a little bit um, and the zone option stuff. Um, the other thing we did at tight at, at uh, VMI is we'd never used a tight end at, um, at Georgia Southern. We didn't even have them on our roster. Mm-hmm. That's something that I felt like we had them at VMI and we got there, we inherited them. And I felt like that really gave us uh, an advantage 
Uh, one of them was, was uh, Coach Ludden's son, Eric Ludden's son. I know you guys probably know Eric. Yeah. And um, and so he was he was there. But uh, three man surface helped us, um, gave us a little more offense, gave us a few more answers. That was our answers to people trying to take away the fullback. Um, we get in th- three man service and run zone option and collect all that stuff. And and so I thought that that was some really good stuff for us. And um, line up in a heavy set with a <clears throat> tight end and a slot backside and make them cover them down and then, you know, make them short to the, to the heavy side. So that's, I think that's something that we evolved with over the year. Probably the, the three man surface stuff, a little bit of gun stuff, and then the zone option game, which, which a lot of people are doing now, obviously, um, Wofford may have been the first ones that really kind of major in it way back. And, um, we, we took a lot of principles from them and just kind of continued to, to work and, you know, and fit it into what we needed to do. Um, the toss used to be, um, you know, we didn't start running the toss sweep at George Southern until 2001. And that was an unbelievable play for us there, uh, because of how fast we were and because of how well we ran the fullback. So people's answers inside fires and pinch and would get the ball on the edge. And I mean, it was, it was, it was rough for people. And then the play actions off of that were deadly and still are. Um, I think people have caught up with the toss a little bit um, in terms of defensive ends, playing it better, recognizing early motion better versus normal tail motion. Um, It still has its merits, but we like zone option as a more efficient play like if we look at it, we'll have a lot fewer uh, negative yards plays on zone option than we would on the toss uh, at the end of the year, every year. And, and the play will average more. Um, but we will hit some good tosses as well. But that if you say we're going to call first and 10, we're more likely to call the zone option than we are toss, um, unless we're just guessing. But um, so we evolved like that a little bit. Um, and then at, uh, at, at Army, um, we've probably become more of a power running team at times. Um, you know, with, with a lot of three-man surface, a lot of compressed sets, um, some counters and, and, and things that we like to run, um, and then gotten into the midline more. And uh, I think that's a, that's a response to how much odd front we see. Um, and, and, you know, I know people – the inside beer is the best play in football. I mean, you, you have, what's the best play in football? It's the inside beer. Um, <laughs> I, I'll tell you that right now because you have answers. It's it's um, you can you can account for people. Um, you don't have to block the two best players a lot of times. The edge guys, you know, defensive end uh, overhangs. Um, you know, it's also the the most uh, it's the it's the riskiest play. You know, um, and, and that's something that at West Point we have to kind of assess risk risk reward for us and. Um, because if we can shorten the game, um, then it gives us a pretty uh, a better chance to win. And, and so we've gotten away from it a little, not because we don't believe in it, but because we see a lot of odd front and <clears throat> the chances of us getting set off schedule with a mesh read, um, you know, mesh stunt uh, are a lot greater. And there's things you can do, I know, to try to get it where you can always inside release and protect the quarterback, and, but it's not as good. And, and so we, we've, we've kind of gone more as a triple play to the midline versus odd front. So that's kind of probably why you've seen um, some academy teams and us kind of kind of morph to the midline a little bit, in my opinion. So. Yep. No, I, may, I understand. It makes sense. I, I'm just uh, – <laughs> I'm, I'm on a, 
Oh, what a uh, trying to bring it, bring in stuff your back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> He's on a campaign. I'm on a mission, baby. Bring it back. <laughs> it's a but great I, football I, play. I know, but I do, I do understand what you're saying. I really yeah. understand. I'm, I'm giving you a hard time, but I'm nah. not. Coach, can I ask a quick question, too, because, uh, you know, again, with the evolution, we were asking Coach uh, Stowers, and we had him on one time, and, and I asked him about uh, the old counter option from back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, the old tra- trap option, and, mm-hmm. and he was telling us about how it kind of is not as good as as it used to be. You know, that was a, a play that, you know, ran a lot back in the day, and now, you, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of – would you agree kind of it's kind of uh, a play that's – Maybe expensive yeah. or not. You know, defense is maybe caught up to it, or what do you think? I would. You know, we used to take that fullback and and cut the three technique and pull the guard and <clears throat> and all that, and it was a true counter option at that point. And then we started running as more of a trap option where we blocked the center back and we would almost get a mesh fake, a trap fake with the fullback and let try to you know almost pull him around for the backside linebacker and. Um, you know, I, I like both those plays, um, but the, the play that I really like a little better as a counter play is just a quarterback counter, GT counter, pull guard and tackle. And the reason is you got full flow over there. You got the fullback, the quarterback opening up that way, and motion going that way. And there's, you know, yes, there's two pullers bringing them back, but um, there's no twirl. Um, you know, and I, I think that, uh, again, for us, there's some big plays to be had running trap option or counter option, but on the average, that GT counter is going to be a better football play for us. And um, so that's, that's something we've gone to and, and uh, we can run that against three man surface and anything, you know, and, and that's, so that's kind of how we've evolved with that counter. Our counter plays are that GT counter and, and boots. So. Good. Yeah, no, no. I'm... Um. So, and I think this is a, you're rolling, man. You're helping us tonight, dude. So, <laughs> I'm probably veering off from the questions. I apologize. No, no, you're oh, rolling right into no, the next one, coach. Great. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's like, you know, you're reading our minds tonight. It's great. So, it, basically, you know, I think everybody knows each option team, particularly in college, has it. And again, because you guys play academies, play each other so much, you all have your own flavor flair, right? So, and, and we, we think, um, you guys are extremely innovative with formations. And so I think it's important for the listeners to understand how important formation change can help you in this offense. You know, like if you're coming to the table and maybe you've run it a little bit or you're new to it, um, you know, changing a formation without having to change scheme can really, you know, benefit you. And I, 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 sure. we think you guys are extremely innovative. So maybe just talk a you know, we don't want to give anything away, but just talk a little bit about, you know, your philosophy and how you think about it. Um, well, first of all, I think we want to sometimes dictate where they line up and settle some got some teams down where um, if you're seeing a lot of different looks and fronts, if you can get an unbalanced, sometimes you may get an unbalanced check where your guys can settle down and see the same look a few snaps in a row. And I didn't mean they won't ever adjust, but um, I think that's that's the first thing, the first reason for, for using it. Um, I think the second reason to use, uh, you know, the formation people is to account for the last defender and find a way to account for the backside safety. Um, and, and when we're getting oversets or even heavy, 
Um, and people, people are playing man coverage and running the backside safety cross with a slot to the pitch. And there's nothing more frustrating in coaching than execute to play perfectly in the backside safety who didn't, who just didn't do anything. You ran across with the slot tackling you for one yard or, 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 or you know, or, or a minus yardage play. And so finding a way to get a guy who has a free release to leverage that, that last defender. Uh, I know you guys do that, but, um, those would be, you know, probably the first two, and then our compressed sets to find a way to collect things inside or to add a gap, particularly against an odd front. And that's why you see a lot of um, option teams when you see odd playing against odd front. They're in compressed sets a lot. It forces that outside linebacker. Sometimes it's just to get a hat on him to run the fullback inside, you know, and and other times just to crush him down and 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 go around to the next gap. But um, and then out of compressed sets, I, I do think this, and I think the defensive caught up with just running base post wheel and, and they, they, they cover it better. They understand how to roll the coverage. I don't mean it's not a good route combination, but we've, we haven't had as much success as we used to. And sometimes our post doesn't run by the backside safety at West Point, you know, and, and, um, which we would in, at, at Georgia Southern at times. But when you get in compressed sets and you exchange people and you have run action where you can cross number two and three receiver or cross three and one and run two up to shoot or cross the two from the backside, the backside receiver at a regular double flex set, um, I think that is a whole new ball game. And so play action would be the, probably the third reason why we would get in formations is to you know, because we like the play actions out of them. And, and um, uh, as far as play action goes, we have three ways we read play actions, inside out, top down, or front side to back side. And so they're all combinations, you know, um, and that's – that's, but they may come from different formations. But they're all called the same thing, and they make sense to our guys. And um, so um, that's, that's kind of my philosophy on that. And then – if we're getting into the gun, it's probably for a change of pace or to get a certain person the ball. Um, you know, you say you score on the first two drives and, okay, they're going to go over there and get it fixed, and then you come out and you're in a two-back gun set. You know, as long as you're good at executing it, you know. Um, and we try to make it where it's not too far of a departure from what we would normally do. If there's a lot of carryover from under center to what you do in gun, I think you're in good shape. And so that's what we try to do. I'm just smiling, Coach, because I think about them flex bone guys, man, we, we we talk with, man. They get so pissed watching the game. Yeah. Give me the damn shotgun, man. You know? <laughs> and we're running the same damn play. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> it's so funny, man. It's so funny. No, I understand what you're saying, though. Trust me. All right, let's talk about uh, practice a little bit. Uh, okay. This this is this is a long question, and I apologize for it. It's all right. Uh, but, um, so can you talk about how you practice uh, do you do a lot of good on good situational football uh, versus scouts versus bags? And, and I'm thinking specifically about uh, we were talking about this the other day. If you ever been to a Harding practice, it's com- it's so to- different, man. Because I know like old school Georgia Southern, y'all was, they was chewing you up, spitting you out, right, grinding you yeah. like crazy. And at Harding, yeah. it's out there and they're hitting pads. They're you know it's 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 not physical per se. It's completely right. different, right? It is, and and uh, we, yeah, yeah, that's that's great. I was about, I was just thinking about Harden when you started to ask the question, and um, 
you know, at Georgia Southern, we'd go 25 minutes option drill, good on good, you know, two huddles, you're getting 50 reps in 25 minutes. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we didn't have problems doing that. And we, we got guys bumps and bruises, but we just, we seemed like we never had a bunch of, uh, injury problems, um, significantly, but, um, and we did that to start off with here uh, because the first thing we had to get indoctrinated with our, with our guys was a culture of toughness. Mm-hmm. And it's the biggest, that's, that's the secret sauce for army football is the culture and, um, and more important than just what we do and, and uh, what we do fits us, you know, but the culture, the way we do it is more important. And we, and our guys believe that. Um, but we did practice like that here and we started getting banged up. And I don't know if it's it's colder up here or different guys or or turf or, or what it is, but we we were, we got to be pretty beaten up the first two years. And Coach Munkin made the decision to scale back a little bit. Doesn't mean we don't ever get out. We're probably in pads more than ninety percent of the teams in the country still, you know. And and we will try to go pads uh, definitely one time a week, uh, just about all season. Sometimes we'll go two uh, to start off the season. And um, once you hit the middle, you know, you're getting starting to get ready for the academy games, we scale back. Um, as an offensive line guy, I, I, I hate not to go in pads at all during a week and then try to get guys on the ground on, on, uh, on Saturday. You know, uh, sometimes we've had to do that. But going to Harding and watching them, my biggest – we went there last year to the clinic, and it was awesome. Kenny Wheaton's an awesome guy, all of them. And uh, we had a great, great experience there. They, they it was, it was great, um, and uh, learned a lot. But um, watching them practice, and I'll, the, of course, the question I was going to ask is, how do you get your guys to be physical? You know, and, and I think what it is is they, they, they drill. They, they, they go hard in drills, and they, I mean, they're drilling techniques full speed. Um, they work against bags. Their guys are so sure of where they're going that they play really fast, and you know, they're whatever look they get, and just the the pods when they work. So we we incorporated some things this year, and particularly during COVID when we had those six hour weeks or whatever it was, they let us go with the guys. They were they were walkthroughs and uh, run throughs, and we did a lot against bags, and we could get three groups of eleven going with three different sets of coaches and one would be a bear and one set would be a, um, a six one and one set might be an odd front and we switched it up every day. Sometimes we grab a bag and run a stunt, but we ran the same script of plays, you know, um, on this for all three groups and we'd rotate it. It'd be a 15 minute circuit. And we started doing that during the season as well. Um, that was our third, first thing we did on, on Thursday. Um, and it, I tell you, it really, um, our, it increased our guys' understanding, I thought. Um, a lot fewer missed assignments this year. And we felt better about if the team wanted to just spin the wheel and mix fronts, that we, we were going to get it right, you know. And, and our base plays, we're going to be running against anything. And that's, that's the one thing behind the triple option. If you major in it, it doesn't matter how you line up. You guys can count one, two, three, and a quarterback gets you in load situation when three's over the ball or backside. You know, and you got some base rules for them, but um, that's it. You know, and it, it simplifies the game for them. But I, we could run zone option against any front, insert midline against any front, your double option midline, triple midline against any front. 
um, zone dive against any front, counter against any front, um, and kind of mix it up. And um, I thought that really helped us, and we kind of got that idea from from those guys and and um, the way they drill things. We've got more players than they do, so we could we could divide into three groups. And it, but it was um, yeah, that's that's yeah. it's not a bad way to practice. And I and I think if if you are banged up and um, or once you get into the season, just continuously repping those looks, just the confidence your guys gain, making them make calls every time they get their hand down, and, and the whole deal. It's good for young quarterbacks. Um, just you know, uh, seeing the looks, seeing how things work, um, and uh, so we that really helped us. Yeah, I, but I, I still think if you're going to be good in this offense, you've got to be very physical, and, and there's a there's a time and place to to, to mix it up, and and we try to do that in controlled situations more so at West Point now where um, we'll go, we'll do a lot of two-on-one key drill, you know, against, against the D-line and worker combination blocks. They like it, but it's pared down where nobody's going to fall in the back of somebody, you know, from, or whatever. And uh, we'll, we'll do some situations. We'll do a lot of half line. Um, and, you know, I, we had, we'd never really done much half line at all. Um, but that's a way for us to, focus on and we'll take 15 minutes a half line and go five minutes zone option, five minutes midline and five minutes zone dive some days. And, and um, we can get a lot, a lot of reps and, and we can, we can separate it. Okay. This is the field side. And then the boundary sides we're working over here and we're going against our defense and their field players are over here on this, on the, on the hash on the plus 40. And we're down here on the minus 10 going into the boundary the other way. And it's our right side and, and, and our left side. So, and then we swap them the next day so they get the same work. So that's stuff like that has been really good just as far as reps. And, and um, again, we've, we've kind of figured out a little better how not to uh, scrimmage every day, I think. And, and uh, cause in this, in this day and age, I don't think you can get their guys are too physical. So. Yeah. We're putting a premium on them knowing where they're going and, and simulating mm-hmm. that chaos. So you don't see yeah. everything. That's you know? right. I was really impressed with Harding with that. They do a great job with, with, you know, getting that done, giving them the looks. And even though they don't have the quote unquote contact, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's crisp and there's a lot of reps and, you know, men are out there a long time, but they're moving. It's very efficient. It's fun yeah. to watch. Yes. Oh yeah. For sure. Coach hey. McLeod, you, you watched this clinic. Go ahead and ask yeah, that. Yeah. So speaking of practice, I saw you, you did the, uh, you did uh, Coach Luce's Lauren first and goal clinic. And I saw you do, you talked about your team blocking circuit. And I don't know if you've always done that or if that was a result of COVID, but I thought it was, I mean, look, you, we've done tackling circuits for thousands of years. Sure. Right? Why we didn't think of something like this on offense, you did. I'm glad you did because I got to see it. But I, I'm just curious if you can just – you don't have to go through all of it because we don't have all night. I know you got to go. you got a family. But just talk a little bit about it, um, what it's about. And then when we're all done with this, we'll – you know, you can give the listeners, you know, the best way you want them to contact you and get into sure. it. But, Absolutely. Yeah. Going to that clinic, I was I was worried people might be pissed we didn't talk about much scheme. So I was <laughs> talking about culture to start off with. But um, it, it – it's really made a difference for us, Matt. Um, and we're sitting there in a staff meeting and, and offensive staff meeting. And I said, you know, we, we got to get better fundamentally. We, we talk about being national champions of toughness, but it doesn't 
necessarily show up on film yet. This is after the 15th season. And um, we, we've got to find a way to, to train that way and practice that way. And uh, so we, we said, shoot, defenses do tackle and circuit. Why, why can't we start practice that way? Yeah. And, and so that's basically – it's our version of a tackling circuit. Something every defensive player has got to do. We're going to practice something every offensive player has to do every day. And we used to do team takeoff every day. You know, and that was a good way to start practice. And we have the offense line on the sled and coach see what that. And guys, you know, it, it was okay if you're an O-line coach, you loved it. You know, you got some sled work in. If you're a receiver coach, you're lined up all whoppy jawed. And, you know, it's just it, it, we didn't get what we wanted. And then after a while it became monotonous. Okay, here we go. We're going to team takeoff. And so we wanted to start practice a different way. So we came up. Uh, Mike Vitti uh, is our, our B-backs coach. And um, so we, ca- we came up with the name Close Quarter Combat, CQC. And so basically four stations, um, every every person that plays, every offensive player other than a quarterback has to make a block in space, whether it's a stalk block or you're looping the tackle for the free safety and he's got to settle his hips and make a play or, or the guard on the screen the B-back arcing, you know, arcing a linebacker or whatever it might be. Slot, of course, slots, they go out and stalk for us a lot of times. Um, but uh, so it's a, it's an open field, basically stalk block. And we'll start off going straight ahead, set, just to work on the settle part, uh, pumping our arms, square up, and then strike and try to strike and get your elbows up to your collarbone. And then the second time through, we'll move the defender. And it's basically like a, um, I would say, like a stalk progression, basic wide receiver coach stalk progression drill um but the thing one of the things i like about this this drill so much is that we have the it's not your position that you're working with it's all mixed in so you may have slot backs and linemen in the same group and so you're seeing each other work and you're seeing each other get coached and the wide receiver coach might coach the open field stalk and so the line he's coaching our offensive linemen and he's coaching just like they're his players yeah. and that just breeds confidence confidence in the, in the entire uh, Austin that, hey, these coaches, we're all in it together, first of all. Everybody's working, all right, and everybody's getting coached. So I, I think it helps get us on the same page and just the respect for what each other's doing uh, increases. And um, every position has to reach somebody and try to seal somebody inside, no matter who you are. We, we tandem arc from a flex set and receiver arcs, and slots always arc a lot, tackles. Uh, guards, we run zone option, that's a reach block. So fullbacks do it too. So we do a reach blocks, you know, section. And um, we'll back the skill guys up and give them a little more space. The linemen will be a little closer, working more of a loose technique outside zone reach um, and working our on our first step, working on our eyes going through the armpit uh, or, the, or the rib cage rather, or the hip if you're a skill guy. Um, and working on, you know, get reaching with your eyes first and then getting your hips squared up and finishing. Um, so that's the second drill. Um, we will do uh, um, basically uh, everybody's going to have to use their hands or reset their hands. And so we'll – it's old offensive line coach drill where we'll put you in a bad position with your hands outside and the guy's pushing you and you got to reset and then get your hands inside and then drive him back and then we'll blow the whistle and the other guy's on offense. Uh, and he's got to do the same thing and reset his hands. And that one really showed up this year, I thought. Um, just to watch our guys on the perimeter doing a, a great job of just sustaining and resetting and 
um, you know, guys are trying to loop out on, on zone option. And they're keeping them pinned. And, and so you see it show up. And I think one thing you got to do if you do those drills, you got you to show them, okay, this is what we're looking for. And this, this ain't going to get it done. And we do it as a whole offense. We'll have unit meetings and put an emphasis on it. If you, what you emphasize, I think you have a better chance of getting. Don't just say you're going to get better at it because you do this drill. It's the way you coach it up, and it's got a um, you have. It's like a golf swing. You, you got to you better work on it every day, or something's going to get out of whack. Um, and so that's something we do with that drill. Um, the fourth drill is an angle block drill. So everybody's got to either down block, um, blast block if you're a receiver. Uh, for a slot back, it might be inserting on a on a uh, linebacker. Um, and, uh, of course, guards, everybody up front is going to down block or back block. Uh, full backs will kick out, so it's, it's a little bit different for them, but it's close enough. And so basically getting your helmet stripe turned at an angle where my hip's in front of the defender, but my other leg has got him closed off from getting around over the top, so it's a, it's a pin block. Yep. And breastplate, armpit with my hands, you know, and, and the strike. And one thing we found out, and I, I've found it's just a lot of skill guys don't ever like to play with a base. So this, and that's why they lose blocks. They don't have much power. And this gives you an opportunity to coach them to, to have a base, um, just like linemen. And uh, you want your feet as wide as the guy you're blocking, we tell them. And um, so those fundamentals start to show up, um, I think. And, and um, we also, th- those, those are four drills, a minute and a half. I'm in the middle. I'm blowing whistle running around coaching different different why are we freezing oh man for some some of them too but really have uh i've enjoyed that and then the cut circuit which doesn't apply to everyone, if, yeah. if you know, a state that can't cut as a high school coach, but um, do, and it's the same type thing. We do one that's an arc cut, which is also a scoop. We do one which is the last two steps of a cut, uh, just the fit, you know, and ripping through. We do one that is um, an effort cut where we're we're uh, ripping our arm through and then sending a defender and going to high screen him and ripping through, just taking a good angle to not block a guy in the back, and then we'll do one. We call shirt the shoelace, which is I, I'm past the five yard mark where I can't throw, so I got to hit the guy in the hip. But then I'm going to make if as long as I stay in contact, I can slide down to his thigh board and, and get him on the ground. And and uh, so that's we 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 drill that. We had to start drilling that because they changed the rule on us in midstream. You know yeah. the rules committee changed it over the summer. You practice it one way in in uh, spring practice. And we, Want to slow our guys down? Like, are we worried about if I'm in the if I'm in the pass? If I'm four and a half or my six? No, you shirt the shoelace if you got any doubt. And yeah. so we we drill the piss out of that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, that's that's uh, in a nutshell what we do with those. Great way to start practice, um, culture, and uh, I just I'm a big fan of reinforcing it and showing them, you know, a lot of good clips from it. If you don't do that, I think you won't get your warrant. So. Yeah. But then big boys out on the perimeter, man, they're going to want a single digit. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just yeah, kidding. They all want, Coach, just throw me one pass, man. Yeah, one pass, man. Hey, Coach Seawalk, <laughs> it, it was his dream for an offensive lineman to score a touchdown. All right. Well, so we, <laughs> we had a throwback screen uh, to the tackle, which the people have run. I mean, so we had that. <clears throat> And it was a pretty good play. We didn't score. We got first down. But then we had to throw back, and it was a lateral, and pass. All right? Well, we threw it back to James McCoy, our left tackle. He's a great player. And he, the guy's wide open. And he throws it right in the dirt about three yards in front of the guy, standing in the end zone. And uh, Coach Stewak said, hey, man, every offensive lineman in the country just got a gut punch when they saw that play. <laughs> 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 you could have led the led the charge right there, right? You yeah, let that's right. <laughs> revolution. Oh, a revolution right there. <laughs> well, Coach, we're going to talk about this, um, uh, calling a game from the uh, the box of the field here. Uh, over the years, mm -hmm. you felt calling the game on the field. Do you Have you felt uh, calling the game on the field is better or worse than the, in the box? I'm always interested in knowing uh, how an offensive coordinator slash O-line coach feels about that. That's, that's a great question. It's funny. I, I did both this year. Um, we, we got in the middle of the um, uh, Texas-San Antonio game, and the dang headsets went out in Alamo Dome, which they did the last time we were there too. And um, we had, we had uh, two quarterbacks playing their first snaps of the season. We were down to our basically what would have been our fifth and sixth guys to start the season. And, and I said, heck, we're, we're, we don't even know where they are anyway in this game. We're, we're, uh, we're running just based, I mean, what we can. And so went down to the field and um, you don't realize the difference in the energy, you know, uh, loved it. And um, we were able to win on the road and so stayed down there. Um, but you can't see as well down there. Um, as an offensive line coach, the one thing I, I did until the NCAA has kind of screwed it up, to be honest with you, they, I had to I would have all uh, five offensive linemen and the tight end that was in the game on a headset, and so I could talk to them all. You get them all in their same time; they can't lie, you know. <laughs> and uh, you yeah. can kind of get to the bottom of it, and whatever you didn't see, they could help you fix. And so I always gave them a lot of ownership. And hey, listen, I'm going to ask you during the game exactly. You know, I need to know is he a three or was he a four eye, and and and. What, why you said that, and, and then so we can come back and, and counter counter something. And, and uh, those guys, you know, I think took pride in being able to help. And if you give them, you give them that, uh, that ownership in it. And so that is a way that it's really helped me, kind of a security blanket over the years, having them on a headset. And then the NCAA, their infinite wisdom, said we can't have as many headsets because people started uh, – they had uh, – Bush Jones on a headset or whoever, you know, whoever the the uh, latest, greatest quality control coach was or whatever, and, and right. just became analyst or whatever. And yeah. how they limit the number of headsets so we, we don't have them all on there. But we're very fortunate. Um, our offensive line coach, uh, Saga Tuatelli, is outstanding. And, and so we're always on the same page. But um, to answer your question, I'd rather be in the booth um, in order to call a, to call a game um, but to coach the O line, there's nothing like being down there with them and you know, look them in the eyes. And so, 
I miss that. And I love being able to do that with our players. I stayed down the field this week, this year for about three weeks and um, went back up. And then halftime of the Navy game, it was so dang uh, funny. Yeah. Right. Came down on the field in the second half of that game. And uh, yeah. you know, it was, uh, that was, that was a war, but um, yeah. so, yeah, I, I, I think that you can see a lot better. And I thought this too, for me personally, I met, I made a lot of, uh, when I was down the field, I was more likely to take a, a risk because you're kind of caught up in the, you know, the moment of the game, like you're pumped up and, and you're more, like, oh, screw it. We'll just call it, you know, where if you're in the box, you might be a little more reserved and just, you know, then when you are down there and you just feel that energy down there and, you want to punch it in now instead of making the more prudent call. So sometimes I did that a couple of times for sure. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great answer. I, I've always been a box guy myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just to kind of get away from the chaos. So, <laughs> yeah, it's always no been doubt. chaotic on our sideline. You know what I mean? <laughs> the people questioning you or, so, you know, just whatever, you know, so, yeah. but uh, nothing like being down there and being able to uh, talk to your guys for sure. No doubt. No question. Um, well, go ahead, Coach. Yeah, I don't, we've only got a couple more for you. And, and uh, yeah, I think one of the bigger things, too, to talk about a little bit, and, again, I, trying to just understand, we, we know the in-game um, analytics for you guys are, are it's big, right? right. And, um, and I, you know, can you – I guess – from a play calling standpoint, can you just talk a little bit about how that can help you, you know, as the play caller, you know, and set your team up for success when you know going into a particular series based on some metric that mm-hmm. you know you're going to be, you know, maybe it's going to be four downs on this every every time it's going to be four right. downs. You know what I mean? So I, I don't want to get into too much of it, but sure. I do want the listeners to kind of understand. Mm-hmm. how it helps, you know what I mean, sure. for you as a play call? I think it um, it allows you to um, probably um, – well, you know you got four downs to get it. Um, there's two, two ways to, to uh, look at it. You're either more likely to take a chance because you think you may be able to get – you know, have an extra down. So if you got to play action that you think might be there, you might be more likely to call it. Um, but for us – it's been more of a uh, situation where we know if we don't get set off schedule um, that we should have an opportunity to get a new set of downs. Um, so we've almost called the game backwards at times and we've called more stay on schedule plays, more zone option, more zone dive. And, you know, and, and if we cannot get set off schedule, we've been really good on fourth down at getting a new set of downs. And um, so I think that's, that's part of it, you know, and, and, uh, a byproduct of that is being able to just control the ball, events yeah. off the field, obviously. Um, so for us, it's it's led to us impressing upon our players' efficiency is, is what's going to win for us. And eliminating the missed assignments, um, you know, the negative yardage plays, pre-snap penalties are huge um, for us, you know, as an option team, you know, first and 15 is not what you're set up to do. Um, and so we set all of our game plans up around not – running something into a bad look. Now, when you're triple, you should have that built in, you know. Um, but with some of the other stuff we're doing, we have to put in a little more 
game plan oriented stuff for them that they got to understand what a bad look is. You know what I mean? So um, for us, it's, it's led to us stress and efficiency because it's really helped us shorten games, helped our defense tremendously, keeping, keeping them off the field. And, you know, like I said, in a clinic, you got a guy like Nate Woody, he's going to, he, he plays 50 snaps in a game and he's got to get him one more stop. He's going to have something for him that they haven't seen. And, and yeah. um, you know, and, Jay Bateman was the same way when he was when he was there. So it, it's yeah. it really uh, helped us with that, I think. Um, so it's it's you know it's about your unit finding a way to help the team win, not just trying to score as many points as you can or rush for as many yards as you can. And and that we've become more like that here than probably anywhere we've been. And um, you know, just it fits it, it fits us at at West Point. The analytics fit us and. Sometimes when you take unnecessary chances um, or you get set off schedule or you have a pre-snap penalty, you take the analytics out of it. Yeah. That they're, they're shot because you, you can't play that way. And so that's why we really try to hone in on that with our guys and, and don't let Army beat Army. So, And I would think, too, just the, the mental aspect of you calling it, right? I mean, I mean there's, always, there's always pressure, but – that feeling of, you know, I wish I'd have done this on this series and we had to punt and mm-hmm. just the freedom to be, I'm not trying to say take chances because I know what you mean, but just mentally, right. The freedom to be able to, to be maybe a little more aggressive, I would say, I don't know. You'd have to tell me, that's just what I'm thinking. Um, yeah. I, I think if that's, if that's how you want to play it, you know, uh, yeah and when we first got into it, that's kind of how I think what we thought we would do. Maybe. Okay. We get it to, Second two, we know we're going on fourth on fourth down. We're going to take a take a shot or whatever, and um, and it has it at sometimes. But more than that, it's led to us. I mean, we talked to our players about it. Mm-hmm. In certain situations, we let them know what the number is because um, it can affect a decision, especially a quarterback. You know, um, yeah. I think it's good to let him know. Like, okay, for instance, it's third and eight. Okay, we're going forward on fourth and four. All right. Well, he's going to be less apt to force that ball somewhere and doesn't need to go. Then he will be pull it down, you know, now and try to get four, you know, to get to fourth and four because we feel good about that. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. use it like that, you know, I think it worked both ways. And yeah. like I said, if you're, if you don't, if you're not efficient and you, you have self-inflicted errors and negative yards plays, you take it out of. Them. So that's what, where we're really trying to make sure we uh, stay ahead. I think. Uh, I know we got uh, two questions left, but I think I can combine it into one, and then we'll wrap this up, Coach, uh, if you want. Uh, we, we got um, an offensive line question for you. Um, okay. So we wanted to know, um, you know, what are you looking for in an offensive lineman, uh, kind of how it's evolved over the years? And then uh, uh, Coach had uh, wanted you to talk about a drill or two. Um, I maybe, maybe you could talk about the shoot. You know, are you a shoot guy? You know what I mean with the offensive line, and uh, yeah. and then and then uh, we'll land the plane. Go ahead, coach. Yes, sir. Um, so first part with offensive line, and um, I, I like wrestlers. Um, you know, guys with good lower body balance. We've had a lot of success with guys that just are used to getting torqued and stay on their feet, and guys that are good wrestlers usually can sustain blocks, play with good leverage. Um, that's not a requirement. That's just something that seemed to translate over the years. Um, hat speed 
uh, would probably be the number one, uh, you know, um, quality I'd look for as far as just watching the tape, you know, without meeting them and, and seeing what kind of guy they are. Um, if the coach doesn't say they're tough, then they can't play offensive line for us, you know, and, and uh, um, that's, that's got to be uh, just in their DNA. Um, and, and I think, but um, the hat speed is, is very important. Um, we used to be um, a lot shorter probably uh, than what we are now. Um, and we still can take a shorter lineman. We don't have a, uh, you know, got to be a 6'2 to be a guard or anything like that. Um, but as we've gone through it and some of the things we, we do, the zone option stuff, some of the stuff we've done in the gun, um, some longer guys have become a little more appealing. I think uh, the more tight ends you can recruit in an option offense, the better off you are. Um, and because those guys, you can, you can they turn into good tackles. It's an overgrown tight end. It doesn't quite run well enough to go to a, a power five school or something for us. And, and um, so those guys have ended up doing really well for us. Swarm's in the NFL now. Uh, Brett Toth is, started for the Eagles this year, um, a game or two. And, and um, so, um, but yeah, that lower body balance, we see that in wrestlers, hat speed. Um, and then I mean, we like powerful guys. You know, when they, when they hit people, um, do they hit on the rise? Um, you know, do, do they knock people back? Um, a lot of people say just recruit D-linemen. Well, a lot of them, they look pretty because they run around and make plays. So they pop straight up, out, out, you know, off the snap and then just use your athleticism to run people down. You don't ever see them knock people back. Not all those guys are going to translate into being good offensive linemen. So I'm looking for guys that, even if they're playing on defense in, in high school, do they knock people back? And then do they sustain blocks? And then I think the last thing is that, and I tell these guys in, in recruiting, all the guys, that you'll have one thing in common, you all like to finish blocks. We've seen that. And, and, and we'll recruit a guy that doesn't like to finish blocks. And, and um, so that's, it might, that sounds really generic, um, but we don't, you know, our guards are a little more, um, usually a little shorter, you know, heavier, a little more powerful. Um, the center's got to be a guy with really good feet, I think, um, as much, um, especially much odd front as we see. And then having to reach, two eyes and three techniques on the zone option stuff. Um, that's, that's difficult. Um, and then tackles are overgrown tight ends that can play in space a lot of time for us. And, um, I, I think you gotta be really strong in the guard box. Um, and then at tackle, you might be able to get away with a little bit lesser player at times. Um, sometimes, you know, if you're seeing a lot odd front and you want to, you know, base four techniques or zone them a lot, you know, maybe not, but we our, our tackles are always a little smaller in our guards and our centers. Usually we try everybody at center because that's, I think we got to be strong up the middle. It's like baseball, you know, if you're strong up the middle and you got a good center, be back and quarterback and you got a fighting chance. And uh, I think the defenses would say the same thing about their nose and their Mike backer and free safety probably. So um hope that answers it. I mean, oh, yeah. We, we don't have a we don't have a parameter like we need gotta have a six five tackle. I mean, um, first of all, I don't think you have to be six five to be a good tackle on our offense, and and you know that's not that's not where we are, you know. And, and we've got really good players, and we should be able to recruit really good offensive linemen uh, at West Point. 
Um, but Brett Toth, who's played in the NFL, he gained 90 pounds while he was here. Went from 220 to 310. And, you know, those those are the kind of projects we, we really like to take on and, and uh, see guys develop. So, Let's talk about some of your drill, maybe a drill or two oh, yeah. or, or, your, or your shoots. Huge, huge shoot guy. I mean, we have two sets of shoots, um, and they're the same size, same dimensions, everything, same dimensions Coach Seawalk had back in the day. I want to say they're 24 feet long, four feet deep, and I can't remember how high they are, maybe four feet high. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, he said. I think he said he had a guy welded up for him down there. Yep. Well, ours is ours is shaped the same way, a frame. Yeah. But uh, ours is made. Uh, I think we have them down there. They were aluminum. These are a little harder to move around. They're like they're like made out of steel. So our guys are like trying to <laughs> no last few days. But um, uh, yeah, I mean that we love that. We can we have two of us line coaches, so we can split it up. And you got the right side over there, and we got the left side, and we're going. We're going to work two different drills or, or the same drill even. And, and um, I like to sled. Um, the, the, the one drill that we've done probably the most consistently on a given day would be the fit drill. And um, Tim Stowers did it, I, I know, um, way back in the day. They did fit zigzags and all, all that. It's kind of the same fit drill. Um, elbows tight. And I've got my face in there. I'm flat back. My head's above my ass. We get the guy to grab his elbows and put a lot of lean into him and pressure. And then I'll get them right stagger where their right knees back a little bit. And um, I want to make sure they're staying flat on that first step um, so they're not raising up. So I think you got to stay flat through contact. You know, you flat on a base block for three steps and to try to get them to stay flat and squeeze their elbows. And then I'll have that guy try to turn them sideways kind of work on their balance and core strength uh, and then we'll offset them and turn into a reach right fit and reach left fit um, after we do the right and left stagger and that's probably the most consistent drill we do the sled is just to grind them honestly and get them tired and it's a togetherness drill and get guys to you know it wasn't good enough we're going again and, and it's a it's a toughness drill we don't block pads so I like to work against against bodies um, but we're going to go on the sled for 10 minutes a week, period. You know, and I, it's not every day um, because I'd rather get guys fitting and chipping off live bodies, but um, we do – I do believe in the sled. Uh, we go through the blaster as offensive line. We might be the only offensive line that does that, but it's good for lower body balance, and when you're scooping and guys are trying to grab and hold you – you get you if you don't run through the blaster, first of all, great pad level, but also running with your arms, you're not gonna make it through. And we tighten those things up as, as hard as they'll they'll go. Um, and we'll go through them with, with straight ahead steps, shadow steps, and then offset right and left. It's it's good for them to feel that pressure. That's something we do a lot of. Um, and then um, just basic combo work, all that stuff we do in the shoots. Um, everything we do in this all times we won't, we don't go in the shoots is when we're running trap uh, or any kind of pull. I don't want to do out of the shoes because they waddle out or um, any gun stuff because we're in a different stance and our, our pad level is a little different. So um, that's it. No, I, I'm, I think that trains pad level and, and you know, flat back. and But getting them in that fit position and getting them uncomfortable and training, uh, making them strain, that helps them sustain blocks and just trains muscle memory and, and uh, I, I think that's been a good, a really good drill, that fit drill for us. And 
the zigzag, I, I don't like as much just because at the, it's hard to get the right bag. They end up like with their head down and it, I just can't, it's a, it just tires them out, but I could never get them to stay in the fit position I wanted, but if they're working against a guy. They, they do pretty well. So um, trying to think of another drill we, that we do um, just as far as uh, you're good. Um, you're good. You're, yeah. you're good. Cole. I mean, you you gave us your four oh, circuit okay. drill earlier too. You know all what right. I'm saying? So, I mean, you gave us a ton I, of drills. I'm trying to keep you all night. You got me talking football. So yeah, I, I tell you, the Crowder sled a lot uh, when we're training our guys. Okay. A lot of people ask, like, how do you train the two different – because we run two different offenses if we major in gun stuff sometimes, which we're not majoring in it right now. But um, the Crowder sled trains the body position you want for zone blocking. And we get a little different stance. And then the the left sled or mod sled or whatever it is for under center. And so that's how they kind of separate the two, that position they have with their chest up a little more, butt down still on the, on the Crowder versus the, you know, flat back, you know, uh, hips and shoulders on the same plane on the on the um, mod sled or left sled. So yeah, I believe in that for sure. That's that's uh, I've always wanted a Crowder sled. I, that's uh, yeah. Um, you can you can get that uh, that 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 uh, post post fit. You know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, sure. that's that's good stuff uh, for sure. You can do all your your combo work on that too. Uh, uh, yeah, if they're not and, hitting the rise, then you're you know you you're in trouble. You don't you don't spend that thing. Yeah. That's what. Uh, that's why I like that. Train good body position, and and uh, you can't. You got to have a base. You know, if you're not not working with a good base and have your weight on the correct hip, you're gonna you're gonna spin it. So um, it's pretty good. We use it for uh, back blocks a little bit too. Centers will, you know, back block out to the pads. That's one pretty good. If if anybody can ever tell me a or devise devise a device where to simulate a a, a scoop from the center, like just getting that pressure, like, you know, where, where the, the pad needs to go back, but at a, at a slow rate with a lot of tension and then be able to keep going through to the next level and cut a, cut a bag or something like that, man, I'd, I'd buy that tomorrow. <laughs> um, the, the rod blocking system. I don't know if you guys have seen that. That's, mm. that's something we use a lot for cut blocking. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Is that the thing where uh, you, it spins a little or, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's on a, like a uh, there's a rod that goes on uh, top, and then the the bag's like almost like a yeah. yeah yeah yeah. That's been big time. We got we got four of them, I think. So, um, and then we got so the the skill guys use the lighter ones, and the linemen use the heavier pads. So that's kind of it's, it's it's worked out pretty good. So, and you can cut them. You can cut them with shorts on. I just don't get them on their stomach. I just have them rip through. You know. We use those orange balls forever with Coach Seawalk, and honestly, we we ended up getting a lot of shoulders over the years. I mean, I, I don't want to say like ten a year, like no, but like one one a year is too many, and so we kind of got away. I love those orange Gilman balls forever, and uh, still do. Just I, we just don't want to take the chances here, but yeah, yeah. Well, that was our trap option stuff. So. Yeah. It was awesome, Coach. Anyway, we really appreciate I, you coming on, man. Hope I didn't talk too much, guys. <laughs> oh, man, you did great. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> hey, worried about man. your time, man, more than anything. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I'm good. Last thing, I'm good. Uh, listeners want to get a hold of you. What, what, what is it, email? Tell them, tell them how to get a hold yeah. of you. Um, so, um, 
at Coach Brent Davis on Twitter, or uh, email is uh, Brent dot Davis at West Point dot edu. All right, we'll put it in the show notes. Anytime, Coach O'Drinkle's got your beat, man, on followers. Oh yeah, he, <laughs> hey, he's on it, man. He he he's got the Twitter down down pat now. He. He, and every time he'll tweet, he, he's going to tag about twenty people. And yeah, <laughs> he's uh, he, he's something else, man. Um, he's got he's got. I tell him he's got an alter ego online. So <laughs> he's funny as crap, though. Too. Yeah, he is. Yes, he is. He's a great follower, man. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. He is. Well, we appreciate you coming on, brother. Yeah, I enjoyed it, guys. Appreciate y'all. And uh, if we can do anything for you, let you know, let me know. So yeah. Matt, hope tomorrow's better, man. <laughs> it has to be, Coach. <laughs> That's going to wrap this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. You can download or listen to our podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or the Google Podcast app. You can go on and rate us if you think we're any good and leave us some comments that you might think uh, you'd like to hear about in future episodes. Again, I'm Matt McLeod. You can reach me on Twitter at RunTheTriple. Again, that's at RunTheTriple. Our Mesh Point podcast uh, has its own Twitter page, and that is at The Mesh Point. Again, at The Mesh Point. You can also find me on FlexboneNation.com. I have an option blog there and write articles and have plays uh, that can help you out particularly during the season. All right, Tony, I want you to let the listeners know how they can get you on social media. All right, guys, go to Three Face Football on Twitter at Three Face Football, and uh, you'll you'll be able to follow my account. And um, the cool thing about it is, is every Monday we do something called Mesh Point Monday, and basically I'll post out four questions concerning a triple option topic. And it's a great opportunity for coaches all around uh, the country and uh, to, to get together and network and and uh, get to know each other and you know talk about some kind of triple option topic. So catch uh, catch that every Monday, eight o'clock Eastern. And uh, what you want to do is search the hashtag MeshPoint to see everybody's responses uh, to to the four questions. Uh, like I said, great great way to uh, build our networks and, and and learn some things. It's like an ongoing webinar on Twitter, so it's real cool. Also, check out the website threefacefootball.net. Uh, we've got some cool gear, like Fear the Veer. You'll see in the background here, uh, Fear the Veer stuff, uh, MeshPoint gear, and and other things like that. So uh, go check out that website as well. Thank mm-hmm. you.